Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Welcome back to the One Man Low Council and to episode 317 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, because yes, indeed, this show is uploaded as a podcast, and if you are listening to this in any of the major podcasting platforms, please leave a five-star review and a written review as well. I'd greatly appreciate it. So today, we will talk a little bit about the 355, which has shown itself to be continuing to be a massive, massive bomb. In fact, on Monday's numbers, the 355 made $320,000 compared to Sing 2's $559,000. By the way, Sing 2 has been out for 20 days, whereas the 355 has been out for four days. Spider-Man No Way Home, on the other hand, made $2.4 million on Monday. 355, 320,000. It is a massive massive flop and once again it goes to show you if you go woke you go broke because this film from its very inception was meant to be nothing else other than political propaganda also we'll be talking just in general about the movies and box office discussions that y'all want to have one interesting factoid as someone in my comment section on my recent video today where I talked about Spider-Man No Way Home not really being the number eight film worldwide box office because it doesn't adjust for inflation, was that I should look into the numbers a little bit for a little film called Gone with the Wind. And I did just that. And Gone with the Wind, when adjusted for inflation, results in it being $15 billion. <laughs> The person told me, hey, you're going to have fun with this one. $15 billion when adjusted for inflation is what Gone with the Wind made at the box office. That's that's pretty amazing. That That's pretty phenomenal. Uh, so I think I definitely at some point in the future when I have time, I'm going to do some full charting and do complete adjusted for inflation numbers. Because I just cannot wait to see the kind of numbers that are going to be seen. Just to put that into perspective, most people consider Titanic, Avatar to be some of the biggest films of the last, you know, of, of all time, actually. And and a lot of those films, I believe, uh, Titanic, when you adjust that film's numbers for inflation, it gets to, what, four or five billion dollars or so? We're talking about, like, 14, 15 billion dollars. <laughs> Unadjusted for inflation for Gone with the Wind. It's it's truly phenomenal. Let me go ahead and see if I can actually uh, pull that up. Because when I saw it, I, I just honestly couldn't believe it. Gone with the Wind uh, over on the numbers.com. Because uh, it doesn't have a list of films adjusted for inflation. And so what I did was I um, they have an automatic adjustment slider when you put a comparison. So I decided to put it up against avatar from 2009 and i was like okay yeah avatar is going to go up to like you know three four three point four billion dollars and everything like that so yeah let me go ahead yep uh, 50 <laughs> i'll go ahead and show you guys that way you know i'm i'm telling the truth look at this so gone with the wind versus avatar gone with the wind 1939 avatar 2009 production budgets when adjusted for inflation gone with the wind cost 155.3 million where avatar costs 289.4 million and as you can see worldwide box office 15.5 billion dollars for 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 gone with the wind versus the 3.4 billion dollars 
of Avatar. Yeah, that's uh, that's some pretty uh, amazing stuff going on right there. And also, when you adjust for inflation, you also get to the fact that it made $7 billion in both the domestic and international. That's That's insane. That's just insane. But I love it. I love it because... Again, I think it's so incredibly important to try and always put things into their full context. And a big part of that is, of course, looking at the numbers and remembering that you can't just take the numbers as they are when you talk about box office because the value of money changes over time. And we know a lot of value has changed since 1939 in comparison to 2009. Ah, $15 billion, though. It's insane. And, of course, the Valks probably won't be in tonight. I know that... Uh, they are, uh, you know, dealing with some stuff and looking to take a, a little bit of a break as well. So, uh, luckily, we've got the amazing, the modern major general, Laura, in the chat modding today. So, thank you very much for being here. Laura, let's say hello to some people on YouTube first. Thank you for being here. Please make sure, yeah, light up that, or sorry, you smash the like button on YouTube. Light up that fire button if you're watching over on Odyssey. And also make sure you subscribe to the channel with the bell notification on. That way you never know when a new video or live stream goes live on the channel. I don't even know why I just went on that spiel. Gary Banjo Sandwich, what's going on? Good sir. Says, what up early? Have to go to bed. Smash that like uh, and subscribe and pray for each other. We will um, will when will watch when I have finished Boba tomorrow. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> I was kind of getting a little confused there. Yeah, pray for you too as well, Gary Banjo Sandwich. Thank you very much, man. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, today... I uh, had to get some stuff signed uh, for my own uh, for my own protection, but uh, I, I also was able to, I think, uh, take a stand into the, the ability that I was able to, but it's just honestly the whole thing going on right now with, with workers across the entire country being forced into the these mandates or at the very least being forced to uh, give in and um, submit to and submit their status is insane to me, especially since we've gotten now so much information just in this week alone, even not just before the trial of the Supreme Court, but after that makes everything that's being talked about completely irrelevant. There's now no sense. I mean, there was already no sense to it before, but now even more, there is completely no justification for any of these mandates whatsoever. It's insane. It was already bad enough before. Now it's even worse. Gridania says, 355, yeah. Uh, and when you said it's going to be good, I assume that you meant <laughs> the film's lack of box office because, yeah, it's still at around $4 million. Yeah, $4 million. Spider-Man's like, yeah, I made that in less than a day. Less than a day, and you can't even get that in four. Uh, Snort of Boop is Cuber. How are all homans and other quitters? What's going on? Darius Muchaus and what's going on? Cody Guy, what's up? We got Forever Sci-Fi in the chat. Forever Sci-Fi, thank you for being a member on the channel. I very much appreciate it. We got Rosie G12. Hail to you, Rosie. Thank you for being in the chat as well. We got the new number two, Dean Heiss, who's a member. Says, good evening all. Hope everyone's having a pleasant Tuesday. It's you as well. Minnesota hockey fan. What's going on, man? Welcome to the chat. Uh, she's changed her name since, but I do appreciate her being here nonetheless. Thank you very much, Laura, for being here. Sotomayor is a liar. I just wanted to highlight that because it is true. Remember, anyone remember when a Supreme Court justice claimed that 100,000 children were hospitalized from, from COVID and many of them were on ventilators? 
remember how like since you know in the span of a year it was like 3500 and a lot of those cases most of those cases were people who were already in the hospital for other things and happened to get tested Mem- remember when that happened i remember i remember yeah and th- that's the person that gets to vote on whether or not a, a mandate is going to go through or whether or not it's going to have a hold put on it that's insane how in the world does someone who shows such incompetency get to decide whether or not we have any sense of freedom in our country anymore? It's insane. It is truly insane to me. Orange Eye Reviews, what is going on? Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a friend. Size of Neons, what is going on? Uh, Rosie, I agree. Her name was phenomenal, but I think she, I think she changed it. But that's okay. That is okay. Uh, let's see. The new number two says, High Council now starts at 8 Eastern. How dare they cross the stream? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? It is what it is. Um, I'm actually, to be perfectly honest, I am probably going to. In fact, you know what? Since you brought up new number two, it's something that's been on my mind for. This is going to be the last low council. Uh, obviously, as you all know, that the low council as a name was was started when the high council was was kicking off and it was a way to try and obviously show some love and, and support to the show and uh it was also a place where people could chill before the high council stream started it was really fun to to have a lot of people here just chilling out and everything and then of course the high council fell apart and now it is just a shadow of its former self so uh yeah uh, i i don't really support anymore. I will say uh, the Dark Council, on the other hand, I fully support. So like Fatal J and and Drunk Three PO, like like and that whole gang, I I fully support the Dark Council. If you can check out the Dark Council, but yeah, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna retire the Low Council name. R.I.P. Low Council name, because uh, not because of that. I was already planning on doing it anyway. But hey, that just gives me even more reason to want to do that. <laughs> So thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, new account, 1974. What is going on? Welcome to the chat. Here in the Steadfast, what's going on? Keely Chow, what is going on? Appreciate you being here. We got Bruce, hail to you. Rob D, tagging early to say, hey, Loden. Uh, theaters are probably counting down the days until they can drop the 355. Yes, yeah, seriously. Absolutely. That is something I, I think that most theaters are going to... I think most theaters are actually at this point saying, okay, what do we got coming out this month? Scream 5. Dang it. What else do we got coming out? Oh, Morbius. Wait a minute. No, never mind. They, they pushed it back. Darn it. So so we have nothing. Well, we have the 355. Okay, we have nothing. <laughs> it's like, okay, we have Spider-Man, and I guess we can keep on pushing Spider-Man, and hey, guess what? Spider-Man's great. Uh, that Laura's new name is We Don't Talk About Bruno. I don't even know what that's a reference to. Keck44, what's going on? Yeah, seriously, $15 billion. $15 billion when adjusted for inflation is gone with the wind. Chubbin Rising, what is going on? Welcome. Welcome back. Rob D says here, $15 billion for Gone with the Wind. A year ago, it was like $4.5 billion. If that's true, thanks, Brandon. I don't know if it was 4 because I never adjusted for inflation for that, so... 
I mean, it very well could be that the numbers has their has has their numbers wrong. So I definitely will, uh, you know, before I ever do a dedicated video on that, I will definitely fact check it and look into those numbers and, and do my own adjustments uh, with my own adjust with my own online calculator. Uh, but yeah, when I when I decided to put it up against Avatar, I was like, I mean, I believe it because the film made a, a lot of money for its time and a lot of stuff has happened since the 1930s so you know uh could be the fact oh here here comes slicer says spare me your gone with the wind factoids frankly mr allfather i don't give a damn well yes 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 of course yes someone actually in my comment section and i think they were being serious in my video today said no one understands or cares about inflation and so therefore it doesn't matter it's like no it still does obviously that's true people don't understand as much about the inflation numbers or that Spider-Man is not really Spider-Man No Way Home is not really the number eight, you know, eighth highest grossing film of all time worldwide, you know, because of the fact of inflation, people probably don't have that understanding or, you know, fail to grasp that or might struggle to grasp that. But at the end of the day, it's still a fact. It's still true. And therefore it is still valid and it is still incredibly important. Geek Truth 64 hail to you. Thank you very much for being here. You are awesome. Fear of FEMA, what is going on? Let's see. We got Dadman Walking 55 back in the chat. Hail to you, good sir. Thanks for being a member on the channel. Forever Sci-Fi, who is a member, says, oh, Wasn't that during the Great Depression as well? 1939. I am not as, uh, as well-versed on my history. I'm going to be perfectly honest when it comes to uh, American history. I've just never been as fond of American history, to be honest. I've always been a lot more interested in European history. I've always been a lot more interested in the uh, the warring tribes in in Europe and the kings and all that stuff. Church history, obviously, not as not as into American history, to be perfectly honest. But I think that's no. I, I think wasn't the Great Depression just a little bit more, or, or just a little bit before? I don't know. I know that uh, Laura, who is, I would say, a, a pretty darn good historian. Uh, on on the uh, on the channel, I think that she might be able to. <laughs> I think that she might be able to help. Rosie G twelve probably would also be able to help as well. All right, uh, let us see what else we got going on. All right, let's say hello to my Odyssey fam. Odyssey fam, what is going on? Boop, 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 boop. We got ten people watching over there. Seven people have lit up that fire button. Light up that fire button, please. We got the R coming in. The R, what is going on? Thank you for the five dollar <laughs> hyper chat. Over on Odyssey, they do hyper chats over there. Thank you for good, sir. He says, hail to our fearless leader. Oh, and well, thank you very much, R. I appreciate it. We got two of you over there as well saying, Gone with the Wind rocks. I absolutely agree. We also got super awesome. Thank you for the three library tokens over on Odyssey for that hyper chat. Says, also Gone with the Wind was released in a depression and a much smaller population back then. Ah, boom. There it is. There it is. So, uh, according to Super Awesome, it was during the Great Depression. And it was during a time in which you would have... But that's the other thing, too, which I think is, is yeah, and I think that's kind of the point, is that you had a much smaller population. It was during a time where people were strapped for cash, and yet people still went to go see that film in droves. So I, I think that it's, it's an even bigger slap in the face of modern-day Hollywood because... And this is something I mentioned in my video as well from today, I really wish that we were able to do and track 
actual ticket sales, like the actual number of tickets, the raw number of tickets. That's something that they used to do. In fact, there are Wikipedia pages, I know, and other websites that are dedicated to following uh, the tickets uh, and the ticket sales of, of earlier films. I really wish that that was a metric that was paid attention to a lot more because one thing that inflation does well is it shows you just the difference in the value of the dollar. And that does help to account for also the number of people who go to see a film. But it's never going to be perfect, right? Because if, if I were to be able to say, you know, 4 million people went to go see this movie back then. And then it's only been 400,000 or whatever. Again, those numbers are just completely off the top of my head. But that would be the kind of differentiation we would see between that time in history, even during a depression. Right. And some would say, yeah, well, <laughs> ticket sales were so cheap. Pop, you know, box office was so cheap back then. Yeah. But when you adjust the box office ticket for inflation, it, it's going to be a little bit higher. In fact, if, does anyone happen to know what a movie ticket would have cost at the time of that release? I would do my own uh, information or I would do my own research right now. But as you all know, my mind can get very very uh, fragmented very, very easily. But anyway, thank you very much for watching over on Odyssey. My Odyssey fam will come back to y'all in just a second. Remember, if you have a comment or question on any of the platforms tonight, please put at Odin, at Odin, at the very beginning of your comment. Let's me know you're trying to get my attention, and uh, I will gladly read any comments or questions, and uh, it's definitely very much appreciated. All right, let us see who else is here, and uh, if there's any questions. We got Forever Sci-Fi in the chat. He says here, I'm listening while reading a book on technical communication so I can get out of Illinois when I lose my job because I won't bend the knee. Well, forever sci-fi, praying for you, dude. I know that's not an easy decision to make, um, and I'm right there in there with you, bro. <laughs> I mean, it's it's going to be tough. Um, you know, I, I, was, I had to submit some paperwork today, but one of the things that I wanted to make very clear was that I, because there is still active litigation, and also because of the fact that we now have the CDC director coming out to say that the current jabs do not stop the spread, it therefore makes... The Washington Examiner actually had a really good article on this, and they said, if that is the case, and that is what the CDC director is saying, and that, of course, is what the data is saying as well, then guess what? It makes the entire purpose of a mandate completely moot. Because it doesn't matter. If the purpose of the mandate is to stop the spread, and they've admitted that the jab they want to mandate doesn't stop the spread, then there is no point of having it. There's no point then. It does not work in that capacity. It does not work in what you're trying to accomplish. Again, doesn't make any sense. Amidst the many other things, of course, that could be brought up with that specific topic, right? But that's what's so frustrating is because not only do you have the mandate Right, which is now completely irrelevant, which is now completely nonsensical, which again, it was already beforehand, but even more so, like even to the point where even normie people who might be accepting all of the stuff, right, and just bending, you know, bending over backwards, trying to remain like in this hyper sense of anxiety, right, the mass formation psychosis, which is just one of my favorite new phrases because it just triggers people. Um, but even the people who are in that are starting to say, yeah, you know, wait a minute. I, I don't know if I'm okay with forcing people or coercing people against their will to do this thing, especially since the, wait a minute, the data doesn't seem to be kind of backing any of that up. So I mentioned these things and to say it's like, I'm sorry, but because of these facts, I, I cannot confirm nor deny any status. And I continue to hold that position. 
I, I cannot publicly or officially confirm or deny my status. And if that itself indicates, or you assume my status from that, hey, okay, go right ahead and assume, but I can neither confirm nor deny. I don't feel it's correct. I don't feel it's right, especially when it's nonsensical. And that's the other aspect. It's not just the mandate that's nonsensical. The fact that there are people willing to follow it without thinking, instead saying, well, you know, if we don't follow it, there's going to be some legal ramifications. It's like, okay, so if you were told to do something that was clearly illegal, like actually, you know, we had a court case, we we had a Supreme Court ruling, everything, and like, okay, you would just because there would be a fine. Like, if you were told to do something that was really, really bad and you knew it was wrong, um, but you were going to be fine because you had a... Like, if you lived under tyrannical... Like, we live under tyranny in a lot of ways. But let's say we lived in even a worse situation, right? An even worse situation than we already do, right? Let's say we lived in Australia. <laughs> let's say we were going under and, and going through what's going on in Australia right now. Are, are you saying that if they told you, if the government told you that, hey, if you have any cases, guess what? You got to send them to a facility. Are you saying that if that was, if that, if you were told to do that, that you would do that? Sorry if I'm going off a little bit uh, on this, but it's on the brain, it's on the mind. Literally, I have on this other side right here a page refreshing because I just want the court just to come out with a decision one way or the other. Obviously, I want them to be based in reason. I want them to actually be based in data. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a healthcare provider. I can't give you any information like that. But what I can speak to you about is my own experience of what I've been going through, of the stress that I've been having to be put through, about me having to defend myself, defend myself against a religious organization when it all comes down to it. Brian Barth, what's going on? Good sir, thank you for being here. We got Slice of Neon's tagging to say, on the bright side, you get to call everyone in Asgard smarter than a Supreme Court justice, a certain one anyway. Well, no, there's definitely uh, a lot. No, I mean, there's three that show themselves to be complete morons. You had Sotomayor claiming that. You then had Kagan coming up with Lord knows what, and then Breyer coming up with some nonsense about, wasn't it Breyer? Or maybe it was Sotomayor. No, no, I think it was. Wasn't it Breyer who said that it's as deadly? Or was that Sotomayor again? Either way, it was not a good look. For, for these supposed, you know, highest level of the government, like highest level ever, like we're supposed to have so much love and respect for them and respect for their office. It's like, if you can't even get a basic data set right, why should I believe you could get a legal set? Like, why, why should I believe that if you're just going to either misread or buy into a narrative that is so clearly false, why should I believe that you're even competent enough to be able to pass a just ruling? Let's see. Snortapoopus Cuber says, Spider-Man probably made that in just the first showings. Yeah, so going back to the 355, only making around $320,000 on Monday. Yeah. It made uh, $2 million, a little over $2 million on Monday in comparison. Spider-Man did. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would say before before noon or by noon or by midday, whatever the you know metric you want to use is, they would have already had passed that number. Chris from the 80s, what's going on? Thank you for being in the chat. Appreciate it. Andy Ganty, what is going on? Thank you for being in the chats. Appreciate you. Accidental tourist in the chat. What's going on? Thank you for being here. Soul Assassin. Don't know if I shouted you out yet. Sherry Allen tagged to say, The Dark Council is great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good people over there. Good people. Uh, funny people 
over there as well. Um, and I will gladly support them. I will gladly send people their way. Um, though I, I just don't think there's a politically correct uh, way to be a pre-show for them <laughs> since they're the Dark Council. Because <laughs> I can't really go around saying, well, welcome to the Light Council. <laughs> welcome to the <laughs> So White It's Clear Council. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Plus, I think that they even have moved to Wednesdays, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Laura, coming in here with, we don't talk about Bruno. Uh, oh, what's the new name for the Tuesday stream? So, as I said, I, I don't really have a new name for it because it's the Welcome to Asgard podcast. Like, that is what this is. Um, but if y'all could, if y'all have any good names that are, are <laughs> that are maybe acceptable uh, as a way to, to help promote the Dark Council, I would be totally down for that, for sure. The new number two, by the way, has been a member for 20 months in a row at the Citizen of Asgardian level. That's, that's pretty phenomenal. Sajan Neon says, Did you just declare the High Council excommunicado? Brazen of you, All-Father, has quite the cojones. Well, again, it doesn't really have the, the power that it once did, to be perfectly honest, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely will. And uh, just to uh, make it very clear, uh, yeah, this is what I have to say to the High Council. No choice but to declare you excommunicado. No choice. No choice whatsoever. I mean, I had a choice, and I made it. And it's okay. We will be just fine. But anyway, Serb Smurf Nico, what's going on? He's a member on the channel as well. Been a while since I've seen you, Nico. Thank you for being here, good sir. Gulag in a 1066. Hello, hello, comrade. Welcome to the Gulag. We're not quite there yet, but we're getting there. Forever Sci-Fi says here, I wish they would stop adjusting inflation so we wouldn't have to keep adjusting for inflation. Yeah, that's when it came, That's the reason why I haven't done a lot of... Uh, I don't know if... I don't know... I don't know why I just lost my train of thought. So I've tried to do adjusted for inflation charts before, and that's correct. It, it gets so tricky because literally if you're going to have it, it means every year you have to go back through and then re-update the numbers, right? And it becomes very, very tricky if you're doing it that way. But yeah, absolutely. Let's see. Snorter Poop is Cuber, says here. Maybe the theaters should show Gone with the Wind when that, when that fry Holly Wax Chitlins. Oh, <laughs> uh, I can tell you this right now. If you did a re, I could. This I will state as a fact. I will go out on a limb on this. If they were to do a re-release of Gone with the Wind, and if they were to release it in like two thousand theaters, maybe even only twenty five hundred theaters, that film would make more than three five five. I'm calling it right now. It would make more than the three five five. Talk about a bold statement. <laughs> Derek McManus, what's going on? <laughs> All right, Brightburn, what's going on, man? Says, tell me what you think about the Nintendo Switch suppressing the lifetime sales of the Wii, of surpassing, I said suppressing, surpassing lifetime sales of the Wii because that actually happened recently. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. You all know I'm not the biggest of gamers, but I do like the Nintendo Switch. Um, I don't play it nearly as much as I want. Uh, I, I, I play through all of called, uh, not called, not all of, but you know, not all the side quests, but I play through breath of the wild through to the, to the, to the end of the game. And I was able to, it's still just so much fun. Like that's a game I, I really would like to go back to and go back into when I have a little bit more time. But yeah, I, I think that it's incredibly, uh, 
cool to see that happen. But those are two really great systems because I, I really enjoyed the Wii a lot. That's a system that I actually got for myself a little bit later on as like a hand hand me down. Like I think I bought it from a friend. I was working at AMC for like a hundred bucks or something. Um, so I, I've always I, the Wii has been so much fun because that's a, also a system I need to go back to because Wii Sports was all I needed. Seriously, Wii Sports was all I needed because just give me some some Wii Golf. Give me some uh, Wii Tennis was also my jam. Wii Tennis was was awesome. Uh, but yeah, the Wii Sports was was fantastic. But it doesn't surprise me. I mean, the Switch is a very versatile machine. I mean, it's mobile, but it's also very powerful to be able to handle uh, different games. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And uh, it's, it's something that does not surprise me all that much. Uh, let's see. Rosie G12 says, um, is inflation that difficult a concept? What a lame response. Yeah, seriously. It was a very lame response. I had no idea. I was like, wait, really? You're just going to say, oh, no one cares about it. So therefore it doesn't matter. Spider-Man's number, number eight. It's like, no, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Zona Poopis says here, the Great Depression really didn't end until 1940 to 41 when the buildup to World War II was ramping up. Good to know. So, yeah, that film came out in the midst of the Depression, and yet people still want to go see the film in droves. Still spent the hard-earned money to go see it. Geek Truth says here, 355 is so named for the amount of seconds that the moviegoer sat in the theater before leaving. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard a lot of positive things about it, at the very least, from, from critics or audiences, so it's really hard to say if there's really any silver lining to that film. Rob D., Time to say, also take into account for Gone with the Wind that the film, I think, was in theaters for five years and the home video market literally did not exist. That is a good point as well. Rob D. <laughs> That's definitely also a good point. But I, I still think that it's it's impressive nonetheless, right? I, I think it's still impressive nonetheless that a, a movie because that's the thing is that it, it's not even that it was it was in theaters for five years for no reason. It was in years it was in theaters for that long because people kept going to see it. Because people couldn't get enough of it. That doesn't exist anymore. You, you have maybe some movies out there that get maybe a second or a third viewing, but very rarely, again, there are a few exceptions, but very rarely these days, in the last 20 years, do you get a film that someone's actually willing to spend hard-earned money on to go see over and over and over again, right? Every year, or I think more a better metric is every decade, I feel like we get less and less movies that fit that criteria, right? That that carry us off to such a amazing uh, place that carry us off to such uh, or, or bring us bring about such amazing escape escapism that it's able to motivate us to want to support it and to continue to go back into that universe. It's so rare. And every decade it gets rarer and rarer. And you go back to a time like that where you're right, they didn't have TV, you know, in, in the way where we have today where there's just films galore on television. They didn't have home video, as you said, as well. You you didn't go out of your way to go buy yourself a little projector set, right? Even though that would have been really cool to do. Um, so the fact that it was able to be sustained and sustainable for a theater. Because also back then, they didn't really have multiplexes. A lot of the theaters that were around back then, those were single theater uh, operations. So that means that they had and made enough Right from that split with the studio, they made enough to keep themselves open in the midst of depression with one film for multiple years. That's phenomenal. Really couldn't do that anymore. 
Uh, Snore Poopers Cuber says the average ticket price in 1939 when Gone with the Winds uh, hit theaters was 23 cents. Okay. Well, let's see what we can do with that. All right. Inflation calculator. There's one calculator that I like to use because it keeps things simple. All right. So you said twenty. You said twenty-three cents. Let's let's do some quick math on that. Let's see if it'll even allow me to do that. All right, nineteen thirty-nine, twenty-three cents. So that would have been an average ticket price of four dollars and sixty cents. So I will say this much: knowing that the average ticket price, just for inflation. Back in 1939, would have been around five dollars, so four dollars and sixty cents, five dollars. I think that actually is is a pretty interesting metric because what that tells us is that the tickets uh, very much overadjusted for inflation in a lot of ways, right? Because if we were actually gonna, if if all things were kind of tied to inflation, we should be paying on average four dollars and sixty cents. But I'm pretty sure the average ticket price nowadays. Actually, to be fair, I think it's about eight to ten dollars is the average ticket price. So it's it's not too far off. It's not too far off. I know if you live in New York or if you live in a major city, you're paying probably close to like fifteen dollars. But if you're living in a lot uh, smaller area, you're you're paying closer to the five dollars or or less, or rather more so the five dollars. So four sixty though, that's amazing. Four dollars and sixty cents. Still, that would have been a lot of money back then to be spending on on a film multiple times over and you take into account 15 billion dollars let me do probably gonna regret trying to pull up another window at this point but let's see all right so we got 15 billion dollars 15 billion dollars okay average ticket price was four dollars and sixty cents divided by four dot six. So we're talking about the movie based on that metric. This is very rough math. 3.2 billion people. 3.2 billion people went to go see Gone with the Wind. Or at the very least, 3.2 billion tickets were purchased. I mean, keep this in mind. You have no films released in the last several years that can even get close to that kind of a metric. Again, 3.2 billion uh, 3.2 billion tickets at $4.60. Again, this is all adjusted for inflation. There's no way. There's no way you could do that. That's phenomenal though. That is truly phenomenal. You would never ever see that in today's world. Because if you think about it, 3.2 billion people saw Avengers Endgame or something like that. That's insane. Or at, at least the movie was seen, be very. I want to be very cautious with my words, the movie was three, seen 3.2 billion times. So obviously you're going to have a lot of people who are going to see the film more than once. And obviously it was a very popular film. All right, let me head over back to my Odyssey fam. Hail to the Odyssey fam. We got super awesome. Thank you very much for the hyper chat donation saying minimum wage was 25 cents an hour in the 30s if I remember my history. And again, if that is indeed correct, that just makes it even more impressive, right? So the average ticket price was 
only two cents less than what you would get an hour. So you would spend an hour's worth of wages on on your uh, on your film. And some, as I said, would spend even more. Now, again, one could argue, well, you know, if you're working in today's world, $15 an hour could be around the same. Yeah, yeah, to some extent. It's still impressive, nonetheless, to see exactly, you know, how far we've gone. Uh, let's see. The R says here, if they would re-release all the Rings, they can attach a vacuum to my wallet. I think a lot of people would see that. Again, I mentioned if they released a re-release Gone with the Wind, they could get a lot of money. I, I think that there is a very big argument to be made that if they release the Lord of the Rings trilogy, playing like, I think you could probably make a. F- you could. Okay, I'll make another statement of fact. This is what I truly, truly, honestly believe. If they were to release the Lord of the Rings trilogy playing all in order with the extended releases and a theater was doing it every single day. And obviously you're going to have a a pretty and here's what they could do. They could charge you like like let's say they charge you 50 bucks. But with the 50 bucks, you get the three films, but you also get a large popcorn, a large drink, and you get refills throughout that day with that. And then maybe like some collector's item or something. I think you will find, I think if they were to do that and they were to commit to it, that would make more money than the 355. That That's how poorly the 355 is doing. I know that if, if this was the summertime and that was going on, I would buy that. I'd spend $50 to go see all three films, extended editions, all around the same time. And again, with intermissions, obviously, so that one could go to the restroom. But yeah, throw in that popcorn, throw in that drink, and you can get unlimited refills on that. And obviously, you might want to go ahead and buy, like, you know, a hot dog or or the chicken tenders or something like that. To have a meal, right? Because that's like, what, 15 hours worth? Um, but I think even that would make more money than the 355. That, that's, a, that's pretty phenomenal. By the way, uh, I saw this comment from Philip, and this is like, Mom said Gone with the Wind would cost 25 cents. Dang. Dang. Slice of Neons, I agree. Absolutely. All right, see, the Fair of Sci-Fi. So I'm a little behind in the comments on YouTube. It says, I found it funny how the CDC director said that 75% of the deaths had four or more comorbidities, but didn't mention how many of the remaining 25% had. Yeah, because that means that out of the rest, 25% had three or less comorbidities. <laughs> so I think eventually when you get down to people who had none, eh, you don't have a lot of, uh, you don't have a lot of uh, people left. You don't have a lot of people left to be able to use in your metrics. Let's see. Snorter Poopus here says one inflation calculator says 23 cents in 1939 is worth $4.60. Hey, that matches up with uh, the calculator that I use. So there you go. Uh, let's see. Rosie comes in to say movie tickets 1939 cost 23 cents. So again, just for an inflation, people saying, oh, so cheap back then. In today's dollar, that would be around $4.60, which to be honest, I think is well worth it. $4.60 to go see Gone with the Wind in its first run? That's an easy choice. Which is what makes me think there's probably a little bit more going on. Input latency, what is going on? I am no uh, economist by any means. So, David L., what is going on? Hail to you, good sir. Nathan Slay in the chat, what's going on? We got Mark Lesseth in the chat. We got Toro, Toro! What's going on, Toro? How's it going, good sir? We got the physics channel with Kenny Lee tagging. What is going on? 
good sir. Thank you. Remember, if you have a comment or a question, please put at Odin, just like the physics channel Kenny Lee did here. At the very beginning of your comments, be glad to highlight and read it aloud. I do, of course, highlight people as they're coming in, uh, but I do hope uh, I do uh, read and highlight and answer comments and questions of people who put at Odin or members, because that's one of the perks of being a member. Uh, Shield Wall of Dragons, what's going on, Billy Hader? How's it going? Keck44, tag to say, yes, Dark Council is on Wednesdays now. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. And yeah, they're definitely the better of uh, they're, they're the better of the councils for sure. Matt317, what is going on? Matt317, hail to you, good sir. Thank you for being here and uh, thank you for being a friend. I just feel like it's something that, especially now, after the death of Betty White, I just, I just have to go Golden Girls with that. Thank you for being a friend. Just got to do it. New number two. This member says, since Jeremy's new show is the main event, you can be the prelims. Yeah, very well could be. Very, very well could be. And something <laughs> something kind of, uh, I would not be surprised if that had any motivation into the movement of, of that other show. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure, too, that there's even... Again, this is not something that is in the immediate future, but I think that there is even a potential time change with some, some of the shows that are going on to try to uh, get a lot more people to be able to go, especially since the show goes for as long as it does. You know, starting a little bit earlier helps it to go a little bit more so. But man, it's, uh, it's getting crazy. It's getting some uh, crazy, crazy stuff. We got the wars, I guess. I don't know. Harwick says, Age of 355, who the 355 is named after, was a real person. Yes, this is something that's been mentioned on previous streams. She was a member of the Culper Ring, George Washington's group of spies. She was anonymous, but it's likely that she was Anna Strong. Nice. Yeah, you know, that would have been a cool movie. Some people have already said that, right? If you'd actually told the story of the real 355, that could have been good. But you see, Jessica Chastain didn't want to do that. Remember, Jessica Chastain... When I remember reading this out loud for everybody too, reading the pitch, Jessica Chastain during Dark Phoenix went to the director of Dark Phoenix, which remember was a terrible film, went to the director of Dark Phoenix and said, I have an idea and this is my idea. It's groundbreaking. I want to make a female spy movie. Oh my goodness. Great. <laughs> great idea, Jessica. And this is coming from someone, by the way, who actually, I like Jessica Chastain as an actress. I think she's incredibly talented. I, I like her work. I think she does great, great work. And it's just sad that that she's just so, <laughs> she's just so full of it. Makes me sad. David Walker 5 says, I wish the theaters brought back the $5 old movies that they were doing here from about July 20 for nine months when they reopened. Saw some great movies on the big screen for the first time. I would not be surprised, Dabin Walking, that that if that didn't happen this summer. That is very much a summertime program because in the South, that actually was happening even before COVID. We had like a very special, I remember when I was working for AMC some years ago, that we had a program where we had like a summer stock, I guess you could say, like a summer movie season. And there were classic films that would come out every so often and they would be very, very cheap. I would not be surprised if they did that. I know also that Regal um, theaters typically have something similar where they, they show older films uh, more often than not. So as far as the big chains go, I know they do it consistently. I would love to see other big chains and, of course, also the, the mom and pop ones as well 
embrace that more. The summertime makes more sense because you've got kids off from school, you've got teachers off from work and other, you know, people that are on vacation or have some time to go. And so I think that this summer, uh, this is my hope at least, I I think and hope this summer will finally be the summer that I I can actually like go back to the movies again, man. Like I've been back to the theater. You all know this. I've been back to the theater. I got to witness the opening night of Spider-Man, which was phenomenal. Again, it was insane how many people were in the parking lot for that. But I I want to go, I I cannot wait. So, because last year was, for good reason, a year where I wasn't able to really do a whole lot because I was stay-at-home dadding for baby Thor. It was before he started daycare and everything. And so this year will be the first summer where uh, uh, he'll be in daycare. And so I'll, I'll have that extra bit of time to bring back the OMB report. So that's going to be coming back as a live show this summer. I really would like to do a, a video or a stream for that channel uh, before then. But as I said, I just got so much uh, personal stuff, again, as far as work and school and of course, obviously wanting to spend family time as well. And my mornings, I can only really handle trying to get a video together before leaving for work uh, for the main channel. But that and also the ability to go to see movies. And I really hope that these theaters start to, one, open up earlier because that just opens up everything for me. Because if I can see a movie at like 1030 or 11, I can see two or three films before having to pick up Baby Thor. I can do that. Can't I really I really hope to do that. But also, if they bring back these these classic films, if they bring back these classic moments, I think that that would be a, a beautiful thing. I think that would be a beautiful thing. It would make me very happy. It would make me a very happy man. Yes, very very happy. Nathan Slay tagged to say, "No way home was certainly awesome." And how to do fan service right? I'm something of a scientist myself. Absolutely. And the metrics on it, uh, I think, reiterate that point. Again, over $1.5 billion worldwide. $1.5 billion. Well on its way. By the end of this weekend, it'll be well over $1.6, getting close to $1.7. They said that the film was going to make $1.75. And I would say that if the film's momentum keeps going the way that it is, and again, there's no real competition. What, Scream 5? Oh, what, what, what amazing competition. What amazing competition. In fact, let me see if I can uh, if I can pull up uh, some uh, metrics real quick because I got my handy Blu-ray.com. By the way, shout out to them. Uh, they have an app called My Movies. You all know it's how I keep track of Blu-rays and 4K sales. It's amazing. Uh, but there's there's like so many other stuff. Like you can actually say, "Hey, app, let me know when this movie gets down to this price," and it'll, it'll alert you when that happens. But also it has like the release calendar as well. So let's see what is going on. We are currently in the week of the 11th. So let us see what we got. So this Friday we got Scream Five coming out. Okay, we got Scream Five. <laughs> It's the only movies that I can really recognize there. Uh, let's see. Friday the 21st, The King's Daughter, The Moon and the Sun. There's a Redeeming Love, War Hunt. Okay. Let's see what the next Friday is. Sundown Clean. So no- nothing's coming out this month. Nothing is coming out this month. <laughs> Let- let's see what the first Friday. So there is, I'm going to say this. There is no competition for Spider-Man until arguably February 4th when Jackass Forever comes out. You heard me right. February when Jackass Forever. That, that'll be the competition. 
So I so Spider-Man has the potential, unless Scream 5 does well. So I'm not going to downplay Scream 5. Scream 5, I think, might have some potential uh, to do well. But even Scream 5 may not be able to dethrone Spider-Man, uh, which is insane when you think about it. But I honestly think that the first film, and this would be phenomenal too. So I'm kind of, I'm hoping just because of this, not because I want the film to fail necessarily, because I have not seen the film. I don't know much about the film. But just because I would love for the media to have to, Right in their headlines, Jackass Forever dethrones Spider-Man No Way Home. (laughs) That would be great. And then it looks like movies are finally back because then you got films like Death on the Nile. You got Uncharted. I know that not everyone's looking forward to that, but it's a big film. I think even if you don't want care about it, you have to admit that it's a it's a pretty uh, big, uh, big film name uh, regardless. And then, uh, let's see, that kind of finishes out that month. And then in March, you got The Batman. I know that uh, there are definitely a lot of people excited about that. You got another Downton Abbey film coming out. You got films like The Lost City coming out. So, yeah, it looks like (laughs) February is when we finally start to get uh, some movies back again, I guess. That's great. All right, let's see. Hannibal Grimm says, Fussy, fussy, fussy. Yes. Yes, queen. Yes. Don't ask me why I said it that way. I will not give you the answer that you're looking for. I cannot give you the answers that you seek. I cannot do it. I cannot do it. I will not do it. McQueen. McQueen. I can't. McQueen. (laughs) Reaper. Tag to say. So with all this fanboying you're doing for the 355, I guess we can expect you to have a steelbook of it on display for us alongside your steelbook copy of Eternals. And not only that, I will build shelves since I have no background, and I'm told this all the time. It's amazing how many people think I've not heard this already. But yes, I'm going to have displays of the 355 and Eternals, and they're going to be on both sides of me, and everyone's going to say, whoa, that's awesome, what is that? I'm going to be like, dude, that's my first run edition, Steelbook, exclusive of the 355. And they're going to say, what's that? I'm going to say, it's a movie that came out and didn't make any money. But hey, I own it. I own that. (sighs) Man, oh man. Much love to you, Reaper, though. <laughs> it definitely helped me have a laugh. All right, my three, uh, let's see. I was going to say my 355 people, but these are a lot better than the 355 people. Uh, these are my Odyssey fam. We got the right news over on Odyssey. says, in my youth, early 80s, there was a theater that charged $1 for a Saturday triple feature. Will be three Bond movies one week, three Bruce Lee movies in the next, followed by Clint Eastwood, Burt Reynolds, Glorious Times. Dude. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I always love hearing stories like that. And I think that that is going to be the direction that theaters are eventually going to have to go. You know, because I've been saying this for a while. You know, theaters are, are, are not long for this world. Theaters do not have too much time left. You know, I remember before the pandemic, I was giving it like five to ten years. And now I'm at a like eh, probably less than five years. We'll see. We'll have seen a ma- such a major shift that theaters are almost irrelevant or, or just not really a thing. So I I really think that 
that is going to happen uh, in the in the very near future. But one thing that some theaters can do to try and stay afloat, to try and keep things interesting, is they have to innovate, right? So that's why you have theaters that are, obviously, uh, many of them are dedicated specifically to being dine-in theaters. I think that's a very good um, decision for a lot of those theaters. A lot of them, of course, have bars. That also helps it. I think eventually a lot of theaters are going to start to becoming, uh, start to becoming um, at least at certain times, 18 and up, right, to try and, and, and curtail, you know, the kids and the crying kids and stuff like that, at least in the evenings and the weekends for certain things. I, I could see that happening. But basically, they have to almost become more boutique in a way, right? They have to become more specialized. And to me, for one, the one thing I want innovation-wise, the one thing I want innovation-wise for any theater is I want the best visual and sound presentation that I can experience. Because home theaters are becoming so much more accessible. They're becoming so much more affordable now. And you can get really great sound for very little. So if a theater, if a theater cannot even have working sound or flawless sound or flaws, then at that point, you're done. At that point, you you should just pack things up. But I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a theater, especially, you know, an AMC theater, you know, a company that I, as you all know, I've got uh, had former connections to uh, having worked for a theater. And I, I, I have a lot of positive things to say about it, even when people were very much against it. Because of the Wanda Group, a Chinese company that was owning most of the shares, which doesn't do anymore because they cashed out. But even theaters like that had issues having consistently working bulbs in their in their uh, projectors. You know, screen flickering is to me the most annoying thing ever. Sound not working as well, uh, not having great surround sound. The seating, obviously, getting uh, reclining seats. Um, having it be where they're spaced out, not because of any safety, but because of just convenience. I mean, if you turn it into a much more premium experience, it gives you more justification to charge a premium tax. Again, the fact that back in 1939, back during the time of Gone with the Wind, when movie theaters were actual like theaters, and it was a 23-cent ticket, $4.60 $4.60 in today's dollar, if you're going to already be charging more than what inflation dictates that it should be costing, you need to be able to provide a, a an experience. Not just the movie. You need, to be, you need to be providing an experience. So if if theaters want to survive, they got to go through innovation. They got to be able to figure things out. And one of those factors, getting back to that main point, one of those factors is going to have to be doing exactly what the right news said over on Odyssey. And that's going to be embracing nostalgia, recognizing who their audiences are, right? That's going to be key. In fact, if they were smart, they would be having someone at the front surveying people saying, hey, what are your fa- what's your favorite decade of movies? Like, that's actually something I would love to do. If there was like a table set up saying, fill out your favorite films of all time or, you know, enter in for this or that and make it even to a contest. Think about how many like hardcore film buffs would be like, oh, I get to like have an impact on the kind of movies that get played. Oh, hell yeah. I'm all in on that. That that to me is the way you move forward. You're going to lose some people, but you're also going to develop 
a much more passionate and much more dedicated film-going audience that is going to put you first and is going to therefore provide not just financial support, but also they're going to be reliable customers. So even if you know you're going to have a slow week, you can rely on people. But that's what they got to start doing. And I think that's a, I think that's a really good idea, uh, the right news. I think that'd be really cool if they could do that. Uh, the R says, got stuff out for a bit. Maybe back by the end of the show. Well, hey, hope you're doing okay. Remember, if you have a comment or question on Odyssey or any of the platforms, please put at Odin at the very beginning of your comments. Getting back now over to my YouTube fam. Hardwick says, there's a video breaking down the money Gone with the Wind made in detail. It didn't make all the money in 1939. It took decades and dozens of re-releases before it made that much altogether. Uh, so it probably isn't $15 billion in total. But I have to imagine that it made uh, the bulk of its money during its initial run, at least in the first few years. And I mean, even if you were to say, okay, let's just take the last year of its, the last major year of its, of its initial run, initial release, and adjust that, you would still be probably looking at a film that made a crap ton of money. So, still impressive. Let's see. Brightburn says, it's good to know that Paramount Pictures recently restored and upgraded Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life to Blu-ray 4K. Oh, absolutely. I love that movie so much. It, it truly is just as a treat. It's always wonderful to see. I think I did finally pick that one up on 4K because it's just, again, it's one of the greatest films uh it's one of the greatest films of all time. It's one of my all-time favorites. Speaking of 4K titles, uh, this actually just came in today. Uh, I'm very excited about it. So I literally am digitizing uh, at least the 4K disc at this point. I'll, I'll be digitizing the Blu-ray, which apparently has an hour of special features on it. But look, I finally got it. Dune. Dune 2021 on 4K Steelbook. I am disappointed in you, Best Buy. You were on a roll with the Steelbooks, with the plastic covering and I loved it. This one doesn't have it. Very disappointed. Very disappointed. Uh, and in general, the I think the artwork is actually you know more so on the boring side. Again, I think it fits the the Dune like concept and everything. And you know me, I like I like my steel books. I think they're pretty. But there's just I always whenever it's like more minimalistic like this, unless you're using really bold colors, I I, I get less impressed by that. You know. But I'm very excited to dive into some of the special features on this and obviously uh, to watch it again. Um, and I think that I think I would actually like to uh, watch this one with my wife because I would love to hear her thoughts on this as well. But anyway, I did also get a second copy. So this will be a, a giveaway option for my giveaway eligible members at the Army of Asgard level and above on my locals Patreon and subscribe star. So be on the lookout for that. I'll have that up soon. But something I don't know if that was just my copy or not, but I got <laughs> something else that'll be available for my giveaway channel. Uh for those that are eligible. I've got two digital codes. I don't know if it meant to give me two digital codes, but I open it up and I'm like, I got two digital codes. What in the world is going on here? What? And at first I was like, maybe is one like a special edition and is another like an extended? Nope. Just two codes, different codes. They just happen to put two in. So I'm uh, I'm pretty uh, pretty excited about that. I'll, I'll go ahead since some people seem to be interested. It says over an hour of bonus features on the Blu-ray. It says uh, includes the royal houses inside Dune, the training room, building the ancient future, designing the sandworm. Wardrobe from another world, a new soundscape, and more. 
So that is what is listed on here. So I, I don't know what else it has. So I'm going to be digitizing the Blu-ray after the stream ends. So I'll have a better idea of what kind of stuff they offer on there. But that's all that is being mentioned, at least on the back of the 4K disc. Or at least the back of the uh, the set. Let's see here. Rob D. Oop. I accidentally clicked the wrong button there. Sorry. Rob D. Tag to say $4.60 for a movie ticket versus $11 to $15 goes to show you how profit-driven businesses are in modern times. That's very, very, very true. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even... We're not even going into... So that's just the tickets. Imagine looking up what like a popcorn and a drink would have cost back then and then adding that to it as well. Oh, it becomes insane because, you know, I, I, I made the point about how, okay, $4.60 is what it costs for a film in, in 1939 when you adjust for inflation. Again, let's round that up to $5. You know, the average ticket price nowadays is is only like maybe a few dollars more, but most $5 more. So there's a markup there, but, you know, it's it's it is what it is. But if you were to take something like popcorn and even adjust those prices for inflation and then compare that to what it's now, you're talking probably like, I know I'm going to be a little eccentric here, but probably 10 times the amount than what it should be for inflation. Uh, let's see, Reaper Tag say, serious question for you, though, is why do you think there was no Steelbook release for Ghostbusters Afterlife? It was pretty bummed not to see one as of yet. Yeah, I'm bummed too. I really am because I really I plan to buy it and I, I'm definitely tempted in into getting that collector set. Maybe that is part of the reason is that there is that special edition collector set. And so maybe they were more focused on that. Uh, it could also be the fact that the film did not make a, a lot of money at the box office, right? It, it finally reached profitability for anyone that maybe has missed my box office videos on that. Ghostbusters Afterlife has made its money back. It's two plus million right now in the black. So it could also be that Best Buy was looking at those numbers saying, okay, I don't know. We don't know if enough people would be willing to spend money on the steelbook since it costs more to manufacture the steelbook. Would they be able to make the typical profits, you know, profit returns that they make on steelbooks? Because even though the production cost on a steelbook is higher, I mean, they marked that price up like crazy. So that might be a reason why, if I had to guess, they, they didn't release one. And typically, if they were going to do a steelbook, they... Um, if they haven't released it yet, they're not likely going to, it's not, it's not, it wouldn't be until maybe years down the road, or if there's a big, uh, big ask from fans to say, release this, release this, release this would be my guest. Candy T what is going on? Welcome to the channel. Brightburn tag to say fun fact. Uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service was the first Bond film that took a very long time to make its money back, according to Albert R. Broccoli's stepson, Michael G. Wilson. Interesting. Yeah, obviously, I, I have not followed that. I might do a, a chart. At some point, I'm going to have, like, random charts, you know, and I would do different franchises and adjust those for inflation. I think the Bond franchise would be really interesting to see, you know, how those stack up against each other. Nathan Slay says, I think Universal should re-release Scarface 83. I know you don't love that film, but that's my fourth favorite film of all time. I think lots I think lots of other people will watch it too. Oh no, like even though I'm not the biggest fan of it, I recognize that a lot of people find that to be a classic. A lot of people love that movie. And I've always said the issue I have with it is that I can't understand a darn thing that's going on. <laughs> I can't get through that accent. 
Uh, let's see. Sort of Poopus Cuber. Friend of mine insists that I went to see Star Wars original release over 100 times. He's probably right. I went to see Patton over 50 times. I almost never see a movie more than once now. Dang, son. Well, that's awesome. 100 times. 100 times seeing Star Wars. Wow. That just sounds magical. Not to mention, uh, Pat, I actually haven't seen Patton. I actually haven't seen Patton. And I know I'm gonna I'm gonna trigger some people in the chat by even saying that, but hey, it's the truth. Damn it, Walker the Five's member. Sometimes it sounds like Odin's saying, Welcome to the NASCAR podcast. It sounds like I'm saying welcome to the NASCAR podcast. The welcome to Asgard podcast. How does welcome to Asgard sound like NASCAR? I hate NASCAR. I'm not a NASCAR person. I don't want to watch a car go around a track. How dare you? Mr. Roy, what's up, dude? What's going on, bro? What's going on? What's going on? See, Hardwick says they you could call it the White Council as a Tolkien reference. I could do that. Again, that was like the first thing that popped into my mind. But yes, I don't think the Tolkien reference would be understood right off the bat. Jake, the movie geek, what's going on? Welcome. Uh, thank you, Matt. Really do appreciate it. Slicer says here, Betty White, John Madden, Bob Saget, a somber start to the year. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think it's important for us to to take these and to remind ourselves, one, that life is precious, life is fragile, and so we should look to um, live live every moment the fullest that we can. Not YOLO. Not YOLO. I, I deny YOLO, right? And the reason why is because YOLO means I'm going to act stupid and I'm going to act ridiculous. Instead, I say live your best life. Live as if there's no tomorrow, but live your best life. That's what we should do. Matthew 17 is a member, says, thank you for calling me a friend. You too, brother. Yay. Thank you for being a friend. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you. Jeremy Zagowski, what's going on? Odin, isn't the left trying to cancel Gone with the Wind because of the film being raised? They tried. Remember, there was that campaign that started, and then nothing happened. The, the film is still readily available to my knowledge. Um, and the worst thing that happened to it was there was a warning put before it. What was it on HBO Max it was available? And whatever streaming service it was available on, there was a, a you know, cultural warning. So I would, you know... I was saying, and I was telling to people, I honestly don't think they're going to be able to cancel it because it's just it's just such a, a big movie, and it's been out for so long. You, there's copies galore. There's some films you just can't cancel, right? When you have so many copies available and it's nowhere close to being out of print, it, it's just not feasible. But what they can do is they can say, oh, well, people are buying it in droves because they think we're canceling it. Let's re-release it. And the next time we do a re-release or a special edition, we'll add in some things that talk about and address the cultural issues. And that's why it's like, no, buy the original one because it doesn't have any of that. And then they can never change it. That's one of the biggest issues with digital copies. You know. Now, I will say I, I am definitely fond of digital copies for, for games because it definitely makes things easier, uh, especially playing on the Switch. But... I will always be a proponent, a massive proponent of uh, physical media because once you have it, it's yours. No one, no one can change it. You know, if they decide, hey, we don't like the way a character is represented in Dune, I'm like, hey, you try and come and take this from me. And since I digitize these and put them into my uh, and put them onto my NAS server, and then you know access those through Plex, it's like, okay, try and change it. 
You can't. So physical media is so very important because it cannot be changed. Cannot be changed. Terry Allen says here, a name for your Tuesday stream is Golden Force. Golden Force? Why Golden Force? Of all the things, I'm kind of interested by that. Uh, David Slay says, so what was your favorite moment in No Way Home? Oh, man. I'm going to be honest. It, it wasn't even a part of a movie. Or, or rather, it wasn't specifically the part of the movie. My favorite part of my experience watching No Way Home, and the film's been out long enough now where I'm not, I'm not going to really avoid talking spoilers here. It was when Andrew Garfield showed up. That was, to me, the coolest moment. I love Toby. That moment was awesome. Don't get me wrong. Toby rocked in that movie. I love Toby in that film. That was phenomenal. I love me some Toby. But the reason why the Andrew Garfield moment got me was because it was the first introduction. And the pop that he got showed me that people recognized he's a talented actor who was just put into and given a really bad film. And I would argue a really bad two films. So the love that he got, like, again, huge pop. Guy behind me was like, yeah, like freaking out. And it was exciting for me because that was the only one I wasn't sure about because I was trying to avoid, um, you know, I was trying to avoid the, you know, speculations and everything. Like, I had a pretty good idea that Toby was in it. But I remember because I was staying kind of on the outskirts, Every any and every talk about Garfield was still very much, we don't know. It's a mystery. We don't know. And so when it was finally confirmed, I was like, I have a feeling that he is. But just to have that confirmation on one that I was not that sure about, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Because you all know, I think that Andrew Garfield's a, a very talented actor. And I really think that his films, though they are bad, mind you, that that's not his fault. It's not because of his performance. It's not because of his version. It's because of the writing surrounding him. And it's because of the writing of his character. So the fact that after people came out of that film, people were like, let's get Spider-Man three. Let's get amazing Spider-Man three. I was like, yes, absolutely. Put it in the right hands, put it in competent hands and I think that you will have a pretty awesome product there. So that's that's gonna be honest. I'm probably, that's probably my favorite moment. Uh, and again, it was because of the experience, and it was just because of of the feels. There were some feels there. Hardwick says, "Did you know that Cora from Avatar: Last Airbender spinoff, The Legend of Cora, was partially modeled after Gina Carano?" I did not. That's kind of cool. Dabby Walkie the Vibes member says, "Charge me five dollars admission. I'll buy a bunch of snacks regardless of price. Well, within reason." Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think, the thing that theaters need to start thinking about, right? And that's the other, like, people don't realize that when a new movie is released, so, for instance, Spider-Man No Way Home, first opening weekend, studios get about 90% of those ticket sales. That's typically the way the movie is booked. That's typically the deal it's struck. You know, so for every $10 spent on a ticket opening weekend, and usually up to the first two weeks, one dollar of that ticket goes to the theater. Nine of that goes to the studio. So that's why the concessions need to be as expensive as they are. However, the longer a film is out, the, the more uh, equitable the split between those two become. 
And that's eventually how the, stu- the theater is able to also make a little bit of, of, of money as well. By you know They get around 40% of the box office receipts when everything is said and done because of that deal. So when we then take that into account and then we bring a film back, like we bring a classic film or we bring a classic series back, and you're charging $5 for that, or you're charging $5 and you're given like a set of tickets, that incentivizes people not only to show up to the theater, but it's already been proven in, in studies that if you have someone showing up to the theater, there's the reason why. There's a psychology behind this, people. When they're popping the popcorn, part of what the machines do is they have vents and they serve a double purpose of obviously having a vent for, you know, uh, being able, you know, for safety reasons. But it has a secondary purpose, which is that it puts the smell of popcorn out into the atmosphere, out into the building, so that it is permeating. So that's when you walk into a, a, a movie theater, when you smell that popcorn, that is there by design. And as someone who, I mean, obviously, if you don't like popcorn, it's one thing. But for those who like popcorn, you're like, oh, this, I, need to, I need to get popcorn now, right? You're more, a lot more likely to get it. So just by getting you to the theater they know they have a good chance of getting extra money because of that. That's why, for instance, if you uh, went to go see a film, you're two minutes into it, and you're like, this is trash, I want to leave, typically they don't want you to get a refund. So that's why a lot of times the theaters, what they'll do is they will issue you a pass. And that's actually always what I prefer because that pass could get you into an IMAX screen, a 3D screen, obviously I didn't care about 3D, but IMAX screen, uh, nowadays it could get you into uh, a Dolby cinema as well. Like that one, uh, that one pass could get you into any film on any format, any time, right? So it, it has benefits to it, but there's a reason to it. They already have your money, right? They already have your money. So by giving you that pass, they keep your money and then they incentivize you to come back in the future and spend money on concessions because you're like, this is a free ticket. And then you buy concessions. So yeah, I totally agree. I think that if they were smart, they would do something like that with older films because they get to keep a lot of that money. They don't have to really split older films being shown as much because they're not new releases. So the studios are not going to really ask for a whole lot. There's, there's going to be a pretty good split there. And then the return on investment with, with concessions can be pretty high. But they got to be smart with it because sometimes they don't promote it enough. Sometimes they choose weird films or the films are shown at weird times and it, it's difficult to do that. There's a way to do it though. They just haven't figured it out yet. Matthew 17 says, theaters in Texas have been open for months. The only problem is I'm rarely enticed to go. Yeah, I think that's another big problem too. And that's why they kind of need to go in that direction because Hollywood is not giving people a lot of things to be excited about, right? We, we know this. We're, a lot of us are movie fans. And so we recognize that there's only been a couple of films maybe that we've had any interest in actually going to see. So that's what they need to do. They need to figure out how can they best. And that's why, as I said, why are they not doing surveys? Not by an email, but like you're going into a movie and they're like, hey, you want to fill out a survey and enter in for a chance to win movies for a year or, you know, free popcorn. And it'd be like a very short one. Like basically, you know, you walk in and they, everything's digitized now anyway, right? Everything is so high tech. 
You know how they have those uh, those things set up outside of restrooms at, at airports and I think there's other places too where it's like you, you put whether or not you liked the experience, you didn't like the experience, right? And what they found is that those are actually very highly, like there's a high volume of people that use that. Imagine if you have something like that, but you have it where it's like throughout your building, you have literally random screens that pop up with like movie battles, like Star Wars A New Hope versus Raiders of the Lost Ark. I don't know about you guys, but if I saw something like that and I got to vote, I'd press it. And then you add into that the incentive of you getting to see like what the current standing is. It's like, that would be fun. It'd be like, oh, this is cool. And then what they could do then with that data is determine, okay, these films got the most votes. Let's let let's try and figure out a way to integrate these films that got these votes in. Again, there, there's, there are innovations that they could do, I think, that could make it more interactive at the theater, but also could end up leading to collecting data, which could then lead to giving people what they want. For sci-fi, turn! Washington Spies was actually an interesting show even if it did take some liberty with the true story of the Culpa Ring for drama's take. Interesting. Nathan Slay says, I love the OG Scream, but honestly, I don't know if I'm down for Scream 5. I, I saw the OG Scream, and I stopped there. Uh, Sherry says, it will be great to watch Audrey Hepburn classics on the big screen. Again, I think there is definitely a market. It may not be the biggest market out there, necessarily. It might not be the key demo, but... When you're struggling to get people in your office or when you're struggling to get people into your theater, you, you got to innovate. Let's see. Rosie G12. Who needed Scream 5? Hollywood is officially out of ideas. Seriously. The fifth Scream film? Who was asking for that? It wasn't me. Geek Truth. Time to say. There are too many movies that will get me out of the theater. There aren't too many movies that will get me out to the theater this year. I'd much rather wait and watch the home for the most part. And I think that that is, again, one of the things that theaters and studios got to deal with. People have been trained. People have gotten used to films being readily available online relatively quickly. That's something that they've been trained to do at this point. So that's why I'm hoping with all this new information coming out, with all of this new data uh, coming out, and uh, hopefully hopefully people starting to wake up to some some truths. Uh, Some of them could be seen as as some hard truths. that we, uh, we we start to see a change, and that can only happen once once that is actually brought forward. Uh, let's see. Damn it, says, Sorry, I'll have to repent later, but Jackass Forever movie is interesting to me. Dude, no. I'm right there with you, man. Those, those movies are entertaining. I, I will not ever say that they are morally correct or that, <laughs> that they are good by any means, but... I have a soft spot. I have a soft spot for those movies. Uh, I think it was, it was the 3D one they did, and even I had to say, "Okay, this is inappropriate." But man, oh man, this is actually really quality filmmaking. And it, it, again, I think it was 3D. I think it was the third one. It was the Jackass 3D, and it's when they shoot the. Uh, phallic object is how i'll describe it out of a cannon and they are filming it slow motion as it's flying through the air moving as it does and i was looking at it in theaters and i was like this is actually beautifully shot i was like this is so inappropriate but it's actually really well shot like it's actually like high quality 
it's in focus, but also just like again, I I thought that uh, it was pretty hilarious. Like I was laughing not because of what was on screen, but it was, I can't believe that they actually put like a uh, like a really well done, well framed shot <laughs> of all things uh, to show this thing flying through the air. Oh man, oh man. Uh, Forever Sci-Fi says, I'd, I think I'd rather watch Hotel Transylvania 4 than any of the January releases. At least no one will be watching it because it'll be on Amazon. Yeah, that's true. It, it, that'll be online. And again, that's another one where it's like, I can't believe that this franchise is actually continuing at this point. I really can't. I, I, I saw the first one and it was okay, but you know. All right. Uh, let's see. Odyssey. What's going on? Odyssey fam. All right, no one has tagged me over there, so much love to the Aussie fam. Light up that fire button if you haven't done so already. Uh, we are about 12 minutes out from the end, so we'll we'll start to to wrap things up a little bit. Uh, let's see. We got Hardwick, who tagged, to say, Are you familiar with the show 1883? It's a new Western series on Paramount+, Plus, created by Taylor Sheridan, writer of Hell or High Water, Sicario, co-creator of Yellowstone. Oh, I know Taylor Sheridan. That dude is a boss. Yeah, uh, he also wrote and directed um, Wind River as well, which is very, very, very well done, very powerful. And I love it because it tells a story that I don't think anyone else would have ever told. And it's a story that impacts a lot of people. I remember uh, Rosetta Allen, uh, who is a supporter on the channel, I remember when... uh, I had talked about that movie and I remember she was even saying like it covers a very important topic. Um, but yeah, I have heard a lot of great things about it. I've heard great things about Yellowstone. I've heard great things about 1883. So those are all, those are things that I'm definitely interested in. It's just that I don't have Paramount plus. The only thing that really has me interested in Paramount plus at all is that they have the rights now to South park. Um, but, uh, I might need to give it a shot. I might need to, to check it out if I can. Because that might, my wife and I are always looking for new shows right now. And I know this is going to make some people upset. I'm not trying to open up old wounds. But right now, um, my wife and I, because she always wanted to check it out, we finished season one of The Witcher. So now I'm rewatching season two with her. And um, so, so far, she's actually liking the show. And that's all, that's all I'll say about that. That's all I gotta say about that. Rodney, you should get a Captain Marvel Steelbook and have it signed by Brie Larson and get it VGA graded uh, some equivalent. <laughs> yeah, you know what's so funny? Those Steelbooks were available for so long, and I, I'm pretty sure, I don't think you can buy them online anymore. I'm pretty sure if you look hard enough, you could probably still find some Captain Marvel Steelbooks. No one was buying them. I remember when I was doing the Captain Marvel versus Alita Battle Angel in the physical media sales. And Alita Battle Angel was killing it. Alita Battle Angel sold out. They had to restock it, and then it sold out again. And you would find stacks upon stacks upon stacks of the Captain Marvel Steelbook. No one was buying it. Let's see. Rosie says, I love to see old classics in theaters, but I'm not sure the under 40 crowd would be interested, and they're the main moviegoers, right? Yeah, as I said, the main demographic, uh, was it the 18 to 39-year-old, I think, is, is like their key demo. Um, of people that spend the most, but that's the thing is that I f- would fall on, I would fall within that category, and so I would very much be interested in doing that. But for me, it's got to be over the summer, and I feel like there should be an incentive, where at the very least, it's not a random time one day a week, you know, because that was the issue with AMC 
I remember we did a showing on on Sunday for these movies, and it was we had a two p.m. show and a four p.m. show or something like that. And it's like, okay, maybe we can make that work. Um, but I was working at the time, so it was a lot harder to uh, to actually go see those films. But yeah, I, I think that that is definitely a a method, and I think that that is definitely a step that would be smart for them to do. They innovate. You know what? Might as well try some stuff. And I think doing those, as I said, doing some kind of interactive, getting feedback from people, uh, more than just, hey, fill out this survey. Hey, here's a survey. Fill, fill it out. But like having those little touch screens. I can't imagine that those would be that expensive. And all you do is have, again, posters of some of the greatest films of all time and then ask people to vote. And then it just shows you the results and then it goes back. That and That alone... Uh, could be uh, enough to get some data. Forever Sci-Fi says, I can't pass on the Wayne's World Steelbook that comes out February 1st. It's only $15 at Best Buy. Yeah, I'm really enjoying the... Uh, they're bringing a lot of older films to Steelbook, 4K Steelbook for the first time, and they're cheaper. Yeah, I've actually got... I, I just recently bought some films from uh, from Best Buy to uh, add in my own collection, but also to to build up the giveaway stash as well. And uh, let me see which ones I got because there were some that were on sale and then there were others that were a, a little bit more uh, expensive, but not like you know crazy expensive by any means. Let me see if I can uh, pull that out. Let me head back over to Odyssey. Odyssey. Odyssey fam still just chilling. Thank y'all. Thank you for being a friend. All right, that's signing in. So I'll go back to my YouTubes. Um, let's see. We got Snortapoopus, who says here, theaters during the Depression had dish nights where they gave away dishes to attract people to go to the movies. Yeah, doing giveaways when it's not just a major... Uh, basically, the only time that giveaways were really ever done uh, in theaters was when they had, like, the marathon events. They would do some pretty big giveaways, and then they would do the posters. And I think that they still would and probably will in the future do the posters like if you go to see the the IMAX showing on Thursday for an opening film uh Hardwick if you don't know what fussy 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 means you're not in the club and I feel I feel sorry for you Nathan Slay I would go nuts if lots of my favorite 80s and 90s films were released I think a lot of people would Again, they would have to handle it right though Minnesota hockey fan who's a member on the channel Minnesota hockey fan says I got my steel book Dune 21 today too nice yeah it was the release date uh, very excited to uh, check it out again and also to check out some special features. Well, uh, Rosie G12. Odin, when you held up Dune, Tina's ears started ringing. I know. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. World of Canon, what's going on? Uh, Forever Sci Fi. <laughs> Gosh. Boring and beige. Dune fits Odin well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Like, I don't hear that enough. Like, I don't hear that enough all right geek truth says there were a couple of reports of people having a missing code in some dune steelbooks you might have gotten really is that a thing people were missing their copies well to those that were missing their copies i got them and you can't have them you can't have them they're all mine but don't worry i'll be giving them away i like doing that Harwick says, Story of Dune is currently being copied beat for beat by the Book of Boba Fett with the Tuscans as Fremen, 
Boba Fett as Muad'Dib, the Huts as the Harkonnens, and Spice as Spice. Uh, to some extent, I can see the connection, the parallels, but I, I don't think that the rest of the story has been around. So, uh, Caruso, what's going on, Sig? What's up, man? So, hey, been a minute. Have you seen the movie T-34? It's a World War II, all in Russian, and the CGI was probably top five I've seen in a while. Really? I haven't even heard it. How could a film I've never even heard of have some of the best CGI ever? That's crazy. See, Rosie 12 says, Call me a sugar dough uh, to Patton. Do you have it? If not, I'm sending it to you after the stream. I don't think so. I always forget because I have these sets because uh, I've got like the 50 film Warner Brothers collection. And so I always forget if there are certain films that are in that set. But to my knowledge, I do not. Matt317 says, Requiem Scott in Pache. <sighs> Absolutely. Rob D. I want to see what the Harry Potter film franchise box office does for inflation, not counting Fantastic Beasts before the MCU had 20 films. It was the highest grossing franchise. Yeah, Rob D., I think that's a great shout. Yeah, if you go back to those earlier ones too, early 2000s, those are going to adjust pretty well. I mean, if uh, Avatar adjusts as well as it does from 2009, imagine bringing it back to the early 2000s. See, Bruce says, oh my, I saw Star Wars so many times, so many times during 1977, 78, so many times. But do you have a number? If you don't have a number, it don't count. Forever Sci-Fi, I always liked how Dr. Steve Franklin put on Babylon 5. I'm alive. Everything else is negotiable. Boom. Uh, Matt317 says, I like digital games too, but even still to get physical copies when possible, along with DRM-free digital versions. Well, that's the thing for me. I think video games need to innovate and the best way for them to do so they never will because they know that they'd lose money in this but to me it just makes sense you have movies that get released and they all come with digital copy codes and i know that the digital copy codes are not the best things in the world because you can't trust digital but i feel like if you're buying a game you're spending 50 dollars plus on a game come on man you should at least get the digital copy all right uh, we need to wrap things up here, so let me double-check with my awesome fan, make sure everyone's still okay, still okay over there. Boom, 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 awesome. So I might have to skip some things here, but let us see. Brightburn says, fun fact, people have forgiven the Star Wars prequel trilogy because of what Disney Catholic County have done with it, or at least a good portion of them have. I will say this much, Brightburn, I think before Disney ruined Star Wars, the forgiveness was already happening, and, and here's why. Memes. Memes are what helped Star Wars the prequels because they are some of the best memes out there. They're hilarious. They fit within everything, and it's it's so much fun. So that was already, that was already on the path. Um, I think that Star Wars Disney definitely helped, but I think memes is what actually started that process. Uh, Davidwalk55 says, Mrs. Davidwalk spent six hours once in a thrift store going through the entire stock of DVDs. Her mission is to butt, uh, butt up as much physical media as possible, Blu-ray where possible. Yeah, I, I need to go back to my, it's a, it's a used book and uh, film store because I saw Tug, shout out to Tugs, by the way, Geeks and Gamers, um, Poor Choices, and she had this massive haul of Star Wars EU novels. I actually, last time I've gone to that place, my main focus is always on the movie section, but I'm going to have to check out the book section because there might actually be 
some Star Wars novels there because, man, that is something that I need to look into. For sure. Let's see, Forever Sci-Fi says, The one thing I appreciate about the Amazing Spider-Man was Garfield's Spider-Man did not have the whole keep his identity secret from Gwen thing going for too long. I definitely think that there's a, a fair thing there. Uh, let's see. Snorpoopus Cubers says, In Gone with the Wind, Rhett Butler warns that the Yankees have factories, shipyards, coal mines, and a fleet. All we've got is cotton, slaves, and arrogance. Not exactly a rose-tinted view of the South. Yeah. And yet, they still try to cancel it, you know? And that's just, that's the thing, is that people who wanted to cancel that, just like people who want to cancel anything, have no idea. Have no idea. They've got no concept whatsoever of why it is. Those are the people that probably haven't seen the film or haven't seen the film long enough to even remember moments like you just mentioned. It's totally sad. Rob D says, when I went to see No Way Home, I was actually surprised that Toby and Andrew each got the same amount of applause. I figured Toby would get 10 times louder. Yeah, and and because of how they came out, I'm going to be honest, people didn't really go as crazy for Toby. But here's the thing. They clapped and went crazy for uh, Andrew Garfield, but everyone like held their breath for Toby. And I think that that, to me, kind of speaks to the emotional impact of those two characters. Garfield, people were like excited because they were like, oh I, oh, I knew it. I knew he was in there. I knew he was in there. It's kind of like gut reaction. Whereas with Toby, you're just like, I knew this was going to happen, but it's, it's Toby Spider-Man. He's back. You know, that's at least what my theater experienced. Jacob Myers said, what's going on? All right, I do need to skip some comments. I do apologize, people who've tagged and some members, but I, uh, again, um, I'm running a little bit over time. Rowdy says, I think theaters should have exclusive movie posters and t-shirts to give out to people who attend Midnight Street. Yeah, I mean, typically studios do give out posters, but they're not always the best. They're not always the best out there. Bonus time, Odin says, sir, can't do too much bonus time. Cannot do too much. Forever sci-fi, uh, Captain Marvel steelbooks are worth more if you melt them down. <laughs> yeah, you need to repurpose. You need to repurpose them. Uh, Carissa, thank you for the $5. Super chat. Thank you very much, Sig. Uh, says, hey, Mr. Odin, long time no see. What are some good 80s style movies or TV to rewatch? Just rewatch Stranger Things and wanted to keep the 80s vibes. If you want 80 vi- 80s vibes and you've already watched Stranger Things and you already got Netflix, then... Cobra Kai is your place to go good sir Cobra Kai never die Cobra Kai highly 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 recommend Cobra Kai and uh, I would say you know what maybe watch some Karate Kid if you've not seen the Karate Kid films watch Karate Kid films then watch Cobra Kai um, and uh, you'll have a good time you'll have a very good time Let's see, Ironside. Remember the X-Men cartoon from the 90s? Rogue steals Captain Marvel's powers. We'd love to see that. Yeah, I remember that was the, the main thing said when that film first came out. Everyone was saying, let's do this instead. That'd be great. Matthew 17 says, the archivist in me still likes that physical copy. I've gotten that way with music as well, CDs and vinyl. Dude, I totally understand, I totally understand it, man. Because as convenient as a digital copy can be of a film, if I want to have it, Gonna have the physical version. That's why I give away my digital codes because guess what? I do digitize these, but I digitize them and I put them on my own server where there's safety measures there so it's backed up, but I still also got this. So um, I can watch it then for convenience 
uh, you know, through my Plex server and get basically the same quality as you would get on an actual 4K player because of just the way uh, the system that I have is set up. Um, but yeah, uh, Bruce, 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 uh, Rosie G says, hmm, doesn't sound like a ringing endorsement from the chat on Boba Fett, but not loyal condemnation either. What say you? I mean, I find it to be blah. I, I don't hate it. Some people, I think, kind of like hate it. And I'm just like, yeah. Matt through and seven where dialogue and direction was key to the prequels becoming memeable. Yeah, again, the memes are what happened. I guess what I think that's what Bruce was excited about. The memes are what saved Star Wars the prequels. Yes. Uh, Chris said my dad handed me down the original trilogy VCR box set of the re-release. The box art is cool when it came out. Nice, very cool. World of Canon, thank you for the super chat. Says here, if there's deleted scenes on Dune disc, we can get a fan edit. Sometimes fan edits can be really good. Prayers for your job situation. Well, thank you very much, World Canon, for the uh, for the prayers, man. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, I'm just praying the Supreme Court, uh, you know, rules quickly. And does so and uh, and rules correctly, especially now that we know that there is literally no ground to stand on legally or morally or logically in any capacity for a mandate. It's that's why it's even more frustrating because any business that's implementing them, they can say, oh, it's the law or oh, we're going to get fined or oh, it's like, OK, but you're then still having to admit that you are submitting yourself to an illogical proposition that has no leg left to stand on geek truth says here eu thrawn trilogy from zon if you haven't i have those on audiobook and man oh man those have been fantastic harwick then says another eu suggestion han solo trilogy novels by ac crispin solo star wars story borrowed from it but wanted it down watered it down yeah i've gotten always a, a ton of recommend so basically if i see anything novel wise if i'm able to go again whenever i have the time to actually go then i'm going to you know obviously if it says EU, I'm probably just going to pick it up. You know, get them all. Get them all. Anyway, thank you very much, everybody, for being here this evening. Uh, let's look. I got a couple comments on Odyssey to finish up. Daniel T, thanks for being here. He says, Japanese anime movie Bell is getting good reviews. So that is one good thing. I've heard of it like by name because I was like, Bell, what the world's Bell? Okay, Japanese anime. I'm interested. And then it says, Popcorn in 1929 was 62 cents. It was 2009, 475, now 879. Yes. So I think that that shows you kind of the state of, um, of, of popcorn in, in today's world. But also, 62 cent popcorn, you say. Let me put that in my handy dandy calculator. Interestingly enough, if that, so, 62 cent popcorn in 39 would be $12.40 today. Oh, goodness. Oh, my. So, basically, popcorn has always been overpriced is what we can gather from that, from that information uh, if it remains accurate. But thank you, Daniel T., uh, for that information. Thank you to everyone for being here today. Uh, Laura, I don't know if Laura was able to hang around the whole time or not. I think I saw, I think she kind of disappeared towards the end, but that's okay. Laura, if you're still listening and still watching, thank you uh, for being here for just a bit. And thank you to all of the members, all of the, the people watching, smashing the like button. Uh, again, crazy, right? Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff going on. Um, I don't know if that was adjusted for inflation or not. I, that's why I was just going based off of the comment uh, from from Daniel T. Uh, so again, that again is an unofficial number there, just given by someone else. I'll have to check that out at another point. But 
I do have to head out. I need to grab my ice cream because uh, my throat's already getting a little bit raspy and mm, I love my ice cream at night. But anyway, thank you all so very much for being here tonight. If you like this stream, please smash the like button. Live the fire button if you're watching over on Odyssey. You can be ready for another uh, stream on Friday for Friday Night Tights over on Nerdronics channel. And then, of course, we'll have our Saturday stream as well. Saturday stream will be back. Or sorry. It was this week. It was supposed to be canceled last week, and it wasn't. So we will have the Saturday stream this week. Very, very excited. Thank you also for everyone that, that has been saying prayers, has been sending positive vibes my way. I really do appreciate it. And I want you to know I've been praying for you. Uh, every single class, I've been praying for not just students, but also teachers and all workers in our uh, country going through this time right now. And uh, just know you're not alone. Just know that you've got support. And just know that here in Asgard, you've got people that got your back. And if you need to let off some steam, this is the place to talk about it. We're going to talk about movies. We're going to talk about culture, pop culture stuff. But we are open to talking about that kind of stuff because it's 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 directly impacting us. As I said, direct impact on my life. And uh, thank you for the prayers. Anyway, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your evening and your week. And as always, God bless. And now for a huge shout out to all of my January Patreon subscribe star and Locals members. Starting first off with Locals, shout out to Kara Tharp, UAB Mad Dog, Mike Jackson, Bifford the Hobbit, and Robert Barnes. Thank you all very much for supporting me over on the Locals platform. Also a shout out to my subscribe star people, UAB Mad Dog, Mike Jackson once again, Storm Tracker, The R, Fast Reaction, Nosferatu Gatsu, Stand For, John B., Mr. Roy, Glinzer, J. Alex McCarthy Jr., Dean Heiss, slash the new number two, J-Rod, the beer guru, and ZK Man. Thank you all very much for supporting me over on the Subscribestar uh, platform. And lastly, to my Patreon supporters, my uh, 30 Patreon supporters over there, animation commentator Brandon, let's go Brandon, Brian P., Christopher Bowman, Father Christopher Miller, hail to you Father, Father Damian Cook, Garrett Searles, Her- uh, Hannibal Grimm, Harold Francis, Inflamed Wood, Jacob Juice, Jeffrey Toon, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, uh, Gomer Kyle, 79, Lance, Laura, the Modern Major General Story, Mike Jackson, Mad Mitch Dunaway, Mondo Spieler, Mr. Peabody, On to June, Orange Hat Reviews, Out of Step with Reality, Priscilla Hall, Rosetta Allen, Stan Andrian, Miss Martin Muses, Theodore Benden, and Tina Bojan, and of course, Tina B, the Empress of the Universe. Thank you all so very much for your love and for your support. And if you want your name shouted out at the end of every live stream and at the end of every video, please make sure that you support me over on a Patreon, Subscribestar, or on Locals. Also, you get a ton of other goodies if you support at the Army of Asgard level and above. Starting at the Army of Asgard level, you get access to various giveaways that I do during the month, including various 4K titles. Uh, many of them 4K Steelbook titles, and so if you want access to that, check out the Army of Asgard level on those platforms specifically. You also get access, once you are a Keeper of the Bifrost level member, to that, plus a podcast that I do with John the Flick Pick Flickinger, where you actually get to ask us questions, and also, of course, get access to that, and the library of previous podcast episodes. We're up to about 
33 episodes now that we have uh, been able to do. I think most of those episodes now at this point, we've actually done it together, which has been a lot of fun. And of course, you can join at the Chosen of Valhalla live stream, Chosen of Valhalla, Chosen of Valhalla live stream level, where you get access to not only all of those things, but also you get access to be featured on the channel once a month during the Chosen of Valhalla live stream with the other Chosen members, which is always a lot of fun. Also, during your first month, you get a free t-shirt sent anywhere in the world. You just let me know your size. Let me know the t-shirt that you want from the store over on Teespring or on Public, whichever you prefer, and I will gladly send that out to you if you're at that level. Anyway, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day, and as always, God bless.